fellow supermom, I'm glad you're here. This is the special needs supermom podcast. The glass of wine for your mind. Your tribe where you can relax, unwind and get stronger and more confident about your superpowers. I'm Nadine Villeur, your host, supermom of an autistic wonderboy and a supergirl battling juvenile arthritis. All while being a military spouse and international entrepreneur. Enjoy your glass of wine. Well, hello everybody. I'm here again with Shelly Augustine from Advocate to Educate. And uh, we are both military wives. You know, uh, we have a long history in the military. And that's how we met actually in Fort Leavenworth uh, in the group that uh, Shelly started there. And it actually is the reason I started my podcast because I missed my support group in, 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 in Kansas. Um, and you know, we both have special needs kids and that can be challenging enough. But now throw in the <laughs> relocation every other year. So that's what we're going to talk about in this episode about, you know, the extra challenges we have. And Shelly has a ton of information on how you can relocate the best possible way and what your rights are. So Shelly, welcome again to my podcast. Thanks, um, Nadine. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I love it that you're on the show again. You're such a big resource of information, especially, you know, in our situations when you move around a lot. Yeah. You don't know where you can find help, what you need to do, what your rights are. So I thought, you know, first kind of talk about our struggles first. So um like most of you know, uh, I live in the Netherlands, but we move around. So uh, we've been located uh, and, uh, and we've been living in Kansas for a couple of years where I, I met uh, Shelly. And uh, when we moved back to the Netherlands, our struggles was that we had to redo all the tests of our kids again. Now, uh, Pepin, uh, my son, is, uh, uh, has autism and ADHD, and he got his real proper test at Kansas University. Uh, that's yeah. where he, yeah, that's where he got, you know, uh, the labels to say uh, and the first help. Uh, and we had to, yeah, try different medications, see what works best, and. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's still the case, but back then you would start with Ritalin because it's, you know, the oldest drug basically, and they have the most yeah. knowledge of it. It's also probably the cheapest because it's so old. Uh, and then we moved back to the Netherlands and he had to redo all the tests, had mm. to do the trial and error with medication again, while we knew Ritalin wouldn't work and the follow-up medication wouldn't work. We actually... Right brought home six months of medication to the Netherlands to find out that the meds we used in the States were not yet available in the Netherlands. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, that was a all new struggle. And for uh, Jika, our daughter with juvenile arthritis, it was a bit different because you know you have juvenile arthritis. So yeah, in that way, because it's uh, physical, it's mm -hmm. easier, I think, for them to handle. Uh, they don't have to retest the fact that you have juvenile arthritis, but yeah. she also is dyslexic. 
And despite the fact that the Dutch insurance paid for the testing in the States, we came back to the Netherlands. She had to have a full <laughs> year of really bad grades for spelling and reading before mm. she was allowed to start to be tested again. And that was another. So it took her at least two years again when we came back to the Netherlands. Like dyslexia is something different mm. <laughs> overseas. Wow. So we had our struggles, you know, just the, the, the medical and the, 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 you know, getting the right treatment uh, in what you're entitled uh, for. And then we're not even talking about the difference in culture or, you know, uh, the difference in school systems. So how was it for you? Yeah, well, we, um, ours, our first child was late, I would call late diagnosis on the spectrum for the most part. I, I don't think it's an I don't think it's unusual for what they for that diagnosis of what they used to call Asperger's. Yeah. Um, but I think it's it's often kind of late in that sense. But for us, it was late in comparison to other people and other children that were diagnosed earlier. Um, and so, you know, we were we knew we were going to move like right after we knew we were moving. Um, and so we didn't fight in the system at school. We didn't go to the school system. We did tell them, but we didn't, we didn't go through the whole process because we would have just, we, we would have just ended up, maybe we would have been finished the IEP process and yeah. then moved again. Right. So when we got to Kansas, that was our first year. It was a struggle. Um, and, uh, but after really a collection of data on my part, using things that were available to the school that they weren't using. Um, to assess him and to understand the data that existed um, by producing data on my own with those tools, we were able to eventually get an IEP. And so we stayed on that IEP, you know, until uh, I think uh, sophomore year in high school. Um, and so, you know, I think the challenge was, is that even in Kansas, um, you know, it's a unique situation there because the, the school district on the post is, as this is the post school district, um, but there is some uh, requirements when you are a post school district to uh, meet the needs of those military students there. And I think that, um, you know, it, it was very difficult getting them on board. It was, it really was a fight. Um, and I just had to learn everything that I could. And that's really where my advocacy grew out of is because yeah. I saw these struggles. I, I knew the services weren't there. I knew that they were going to get him behind and create more of a gap. And I wanted to close that gap yeah. um, as soon as possible. So I just learned about the regulations. I learned about the disability um, and I learned about how to speak to it in the academic setting because a medical diagnosis versus an academic eligibility for, for special education uh, is different in the yes. state. So okay. I can have a diagnosis, but doesn't mean that I need special education services. So okay, kids, no, that's true. Yeah, so kids, let's say, let's use a diabetic, a child with juvenile diabetes, with diabetes, um, they may not need special instruction, but they would need a 504 or a yeah. health plan. Yeah. You know, they might need accommodations to go and leave the classroom at any time they want and give themselves an injection or check their blood sugar level. Yeah. And they might also have a health plan because everybody needs to know if something suddenly occurs, we need to, somebody needs to know how to address it so yeah. they can put a health plan in place. So there are those differences between medical versus academic. We can bring medical information to the table and we can share it, private evaluations, and it must be highly considered by the academic 
team, the school-based team and the full IEB team and eligibility determination, it, that plays into it. And then we look at all of the information and we make a decision as to whether the child is eligible under what, what one or multiple disabilities. And then we start, based on that, we start looking at the data saying, what does the child need? And we write an IEP. Yeah. Um, so it, it is challenging. Uh, the biggest challenge in the military is, as you well know, is the moving. And in the United States, we have a law called the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, IDEA, or people say IDEA sometimes. And in there, it talks about when a student transfers, transitions from one state to another, um, the state can reevaluate the student. They have 90 days to do so, which is the regulation for an evaluation, but they must keep the IEP in place with comparable services. Okay. So what that means is if I have speech and language for 60 minutes a week, and I'm currently getting two 30 minute sessions, you know, of, of speech and language, I might get three 20 minute sessions, Yeah. but I still, it still has to be comparable. So they basically okay. look at what you're getting and then they may give you comparable services. Yeah. The district can also just take your IEP and implement it. They might change the rate, like we have standards, state standards. And so they might change your, the state standard. So it aligns to their state standard, yeah. but they might still provide the service. The catch is always, and I say, I would say most IEPs that come into the state that I'm in with military families that I've worked with, yeah. they do not accept the IEP. And, and, and why is that? Be part of it is because of the state standards. So if they came from another state and the goals are not aligned to the standards, they want to align them to the standards or they just want to make a decision about is what your that last state, what we want to do here. Now, now we don't, they're not allowed to talk about funding, but if a child comes from out of state with a one-to-one -one para, somebody who's with them all day long, yeah. right next to them, that school district might not want, the new school district yeah. might not want to fund that. So they're going to look at the child, evaluate the child, determine whether or not they still think that's appropriate, whether their school or the way it's set up can provide the need without that one-to-one -one all day long, or they shouldn't do it based on funding, but they might, because yeah. we don't know what their reasons are. Yeah. Um, and that's why a parent really needs to know how to fight for those things at the table and explain why it's super necessary for that child to continue to have that service, that para, that goal, whatever, um, that, they, that they came with from the other school. Now, the thing to remember is that in each state, how you bring that IEP into the state and when they decide to not accept it, give comparable services and reevaluate, is that evaluation considered an initial evaluation or a re-evaluation? So in our state, I've worked with military clients and the families told me that the school, and when I got involved, the school district said, well, it's a reevaluation. And I said, no, not in our state. If you choose not to accept the IEP from out of state, it is yeah. considered then a, an initial evaluation in the state of Colorado. It cannot be considered a reevaluation. And the reason that that's important is because an initial evaluation requires and means something different than a reevaluation. And one of those things is that the parent must then sign 
for that initial IEP. And so, and the parent, then the parent rights come into place and, you know, every state has, I'll talk about that in a minute, a set of parent rights. Um, But then the, the, the parent can say, you know, no to the services if they are getting pushback and then they can then go and do a due process complaint or state complaint, anybody can do that. But I feel like it has a little more importance in that situation when it's an initial. So I've had to correct school districts because they thought it was a reevaluation. And I'm like, it can't be a reevaluation because you never evaluated the child in the first place in this state. (laughs) No. So that's how our state implements that. So there's so many intricacies that you need to know about. And this is where I think that um, military establishments, such as the Exceptional Family Members Program, or uh, even the JAG office, or somebody else in the military, doesn't do a good job understanding even what their state requirement is, and then informing those parents when they when when I get an order to come to Colorado, if I got orders to come to Colorado. EFMP should then connect me to EFMP in Colorado and EFMP in Colorado should tell me, here's what will happen, likely happen with your IEP. It will be an initial evaluation. It's not unusual. It's not saying they're not going to service your child because they have to comparably service that child when they get here. It just means they're going to look at your, their children through their eyes, through their lens, through their state standards, and then they're going to evaluate and make decisions as if you're going to be part of the team, but the team is going to come together and make decisions. Yeah. And I think that if they had a better process in place for EFMP to coordinate yeah. one to the other. Because now ed- they just don't. No. And they do yeah. offer education. They, they do offer EFMP uh, hires STOMP, which is an acronym for like, I forget what it stands for. I'm sorry. I can't remember. <laughs> Um, and I've sat in on the stomp conferences that they've given. Um, oh, yeah, but, yeah. I remember the one in uh, in Kansas, yeah. This was great. Yeah. So they're still doing those. Their PAVE, I think, is doing it. P-A-V-E, um, I think, is the one that they, that actually coordinates it with them. Yeah. It's kind of confusing. But I sat on one a couple of years ago. I sat in on one. And I listened to them speak to the parents. And I, and I thought, you're talking about what you know about your state because you're coming from Florida. Yeah but you don't know my regs here. And so you give them this information, but they really need this little piece that's specific to their state. And they go, well, this is how it's in my state. I don't know what it's like in your state. And I'm like, well, if you're going to present in Colorado, you probably should know what it's like in Colorado. Yeah. So I would raise my hand and say, uh, by the way, so, you know, in Colorado, you know, I'm like, what? I, I'm almost like, you know, I offered myself to them and said, hey, if you want me to come in and train families, I'll do it. You know, I'll even do it for free because yeah. it needs to be important that they understand what's going on in yeah. this state and how to navigate the system here. So now so. it's really, you know, you're getting relocated and it's really up to the families to, you know, reach out and, and just figure it all out yeah. from the start again. And the less experience you have in the special education realm and, yeah. and creating an evaluate, doing an evaluation, creating an IEP progress monitoring services and goals, um, the, the less you'll be prepared when you move. Yeah. Because if you haven't been in it very long, when you, you're still learning, like your first IEP and then they move you the next year yeah. and off you go to some other state and, and you barely learning the whole regulation, what, what, what your child has the rights to, yeah. right? 
and then they move you to a new state. And, and the regulations still, still exist, but the issue is how do we implement it or um, you know, provide the services in our state? How does the state take on IDEA and either, and, and states can even go above and beyond IDEA, yeah. create their own you know, extra pieces, um, but they just have to meet IDEA. So for instance, in Maryland, so the IDEA says, um, that a parent should have access to reports and you know, documents, data, whatever, right? Um, in order to be well-informed to participate in a meeting. I'm just, yeah. that's, I'm just shortening that. I mean, the regulation is much bigger. In Maryland, the parents want copies of evaluation reports and they want parents often in most states, and I encourage it to ask for that report five days ahead of any meeting, whether it be an yes. evaluation meeting, an eligibility meeting, or an IEP meeting for it to write an IEP document, yeah. right? All of those are part of the IEP process. So the regulation says before an IEP meeting. So I think of evaluation and eligibility as part of that IEP meeting, right? Because we've asked for an individual education plan based on if we're eligible, right? Yeah. So in Maryland, they went as far as to make a state regulation about that saying that documents must be provided to parents five days prior. See, but they don't have that in Colorado. No. So we have to sometimes kind of nudge those, you know, <laughs> you know local education yeah. um, administrations, the LEAs um, to give us that report. And I generally can make the argument for that. And yeah. then, so that's what I mean by each state, you come from Maryland and Colorado, well, I want that. Well, we don't do that here. So yeah. you better have somebody with you or you better have enough knowledge or, you know, gumption to push for that. Yeah. So you can get, so you can meet that right of being informed and a, and a meaningful participant at an IEP meeting. Mm. So those little pieces, you know, are often missing. And if you're going to train somebody and speak to families in a state, they should know all the all the intricacies of the state. Yeah. So those stomp conferences give you a lot of information, general information on what some of your rights are. But when we get down to the intricacies of a state, those are missing. I yeah. I feel like. Yeah. That's my experience. Yeah, it would be great if you know if EFMP just would provide you know have this welcome you know welcome to the new post. <laughs> this is the the basic stuff you need to know to yeah. get your kids. What they yeah. generally do is welcome, welcome you in. Yeah. But depending upon who you're working with, their knowledge level could be very different. You know what I'm saying? Oh. So they may not, one person that happens to work with you may not have the knowledge of the large coordinator, right? Yeah. And I work with, I've worked with coordinators in the past that don't know some of the things that I know just because yeah. of my training. So I've had them call me and say, hey, this parent is, this is happening to this parent. What do I do? And I say, do this, or they'll send a parent to me. Yeah. Um, and it's hard because I'm a, I am a paid advocate. In other words, I get paid for what I do. Um, so sometimes parents call me and, you know, I can't, I can't sit with them for hours on end and no. walk them through the process and they may not have the funds. That's another thing. They may not have the funds to hire an advocate. Yeah. I probably am a, one of the lowest paid advocates, I would think in Colorado, but I, from my understanding of talking to professionals, I'm probably one of the most professional advocates in the state, but I want it to be accessible to as many people as possible, yeah. right? So I make that, I also provide military discounts, um, which, you know, I think is important because I've been military, I've been both enlisted and officer corps. So 
So we know my husband was, not me. I should correct that. Um, but I lived the life with him. So as far as I'm, I got that. <laughs> we have a but, saying uh, in the Netherlands that the wife always outranks the husband. So if oh, the yeah. wife or is that if the husband has like in the Netherlands, if you're an officer, you have stars on your shoulder. Yep. So, you know, the more years and the higher uh, you get more stars. But that wife is always one star above her husband. <laughs> yeah, I think they call them household six here. Oh, oh. That, that's the ref reference. Household six, which okay. I think has something to do with like the general of the household, if I'm correct. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, what was I saying? I forgot. <laughs> we were talking about something there. Oh, gee. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, we were talking about, oh, now I have to rethink, I guess, well, uh, the rights that you are a, a, a paid advocate, uh, but, you know, uh, so not everybody has the fundings, yeah. Yeah, so some of the EFMP coordinators will send clients to me, yeah. or they'll contact me and ask me for my, to help, to help yeah. them with something, and, and I generally will help. I mean, that's, I'm not going to generally turn away military families. No. You know, I'm going to try to give them at least a direction to go in or at least give the coordinator some yeah. advice to send them in this direction. What now, what I want to talk about, what I want to transition to here is that um, in, I think, 2018, um, the Government Accountability Office did a survey on EFMP yeah. um, and, and its effectiveness, basically. I'm just going to call it that. And it was lacking. They were not doing their job the way it should be done or, or the, to the expectation that, that was set um, by the government. And so uh, there's been a reformulation. And last year in front of Congress, um, a bunch of women, moms and military, I think maybe some military men as well, um, they spoke about EFMP, special education and access and transitions and all the problems, basically yeah. trying to bring light to the issues that uh, families are facing, especially families with special needs. And so that has kind of stirred uh, up the pot. And okay. so last, I think March or April, somewhere in the spring of last year during yeah. COVID, um, I sat in, I, I was a guest speaker for um, the PEL clinic, P-E-L-E, it's um, also one of the organizations that helped to train me at the Institute yeah. for Special Education Advocacy at William Mary Law College. Um, and so I went through that training. So they um, hired me basically to come in as a guest speaker and help the um, military. So attorneys, um, paralegals, um, EFMP coordinators and advisors on on special education. So one of the things that I did is I held mock IEP meetings and mock manifestation determination meetings, which are part of the process yeah. of, you know, getting an IEP. And so it's basically like a live in-person training. Okay. So you're, here's what's going on. I'm going to be this, I'm going to be the special education teacher or the SPED coordinator, and I'm going to push back on you. And how are you going to push back on me? Oh yeah. And, and you're going to, and I'm going to say something that's not appropriate not reg required and how are you going to respond to me this is after they would go through all the training yeah. right um the week-long training which was which was interesting because it was all remote virtual but nonetheless it was information yeah and so what's going on from this this told me something is that they are now engaging with their jag corps so their attorneys oh, wow. the efmp coordinator yeah. and paris 
you know, paraprofessionals yeah. in JAG Corps, right? With the idea that they can sit in on IEP meetings, you know, based on how problematic, I think it'll be, they'll let this happen because they won't be able to service all of no. them. But if there are a lot of problems going on, then they can come in and I understand just sit in on the meeting and listen. I don't know if they're going to be allowed to speak no. uh, yet and actively engage on behalf of the parent and the child in this process, but they're moving towards that. That's and awesome because every parent, you know, <laughs> we had you, <laughs> but every parent, especially if you, you know, you have, you're at the start of the process, but even if you're, you know, relocated already a few times and, you know, every state, new regulations or every country, new things going on, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, in the Netherlands, we're a fifth of the size of Kansas, but we have 17 million people here and yeah. it's, Actually, in a city, it can change from school to school sometimes, you know. Uh, yeah. so, it's so it's so important that you have somebody with you that maybe they're not even, uh, you know, like you said, not allowed to speak yet. But after the meeting, you know, uh, they will first uh, prevent you from signing off <laughs> something right away <laughs> during the meeting because that you should never do you should always come home first yes rethink everything uh, reprocess everything and you know if you have somebody with you an extra pair of ears that's yeah. not directly related you know it, it helps if you have a little bit of a, a distance you know so no emotional attachment uh with that uh yeah help you reevaluate yeah don't don't sign that document no. even if i'm in the room i don't i don't no. let them sign it because here's no. the thing i want them to send me we've talked about a lot of things so i want them to make changes and then i want them to send it to us and we're going to both read through it yes. and then we're going to discuss if anything's missing or if it isn't clear because i want it always to be clear to both parents because if they have to monitor that progress and they have to understand what's happening in the school setting then then they should stranger test it. They call yes. it the stranger test. My husband calls it the Napoleon's corporal test. <laughs> so I guess Napoleon, yeah. I guess I'm not, I'm not in the military yeah. and I did yeah. not go to Sam's. You know, even in, you know, uh, so I mean, uh, I'm a communication specialist. Even in communications, we have a saying that, you know, if your kid doesn't understand it, rewrite your texts because, yes. you know, even your kid should understand whatever the topic is, even if yeah. it's, you know, science yeah. or whatever. Napoleon supposedly went out, if he yeah. had a plan, gave it to corporal, if they couldn't instigate it or, you know, couldn't, could get, couldn't get it started yeah. or didn't understand it, it wasn't well written. Yeah. Let's go back and redo the plan. Yeah. So it's the same thing. And my husband said that in the IEP meeting one time. And I was like, oh, no, we're <laughs> Hello? Usually yeah. <laughs> he's <pretty> quiet. <laughs> but he didn't understand it. And he's like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And then he gave him that example. And they said, he said, you need to speak to me because I, she gets it. But, uh, you know, I'm still part of this meeting. And so, and also families who are military, you know, now, especially with all the virtual that we've done this year, if a husband's downrange or he's a TDY, then command and the school district need to allow for him to attend. Yeah. It's something they should be doing because the dad is part of that team too. And he may have some input that's important. 
you yeah. know, how he sees his child, how, what he would like, what he think might, might be missing. Mom might yeah. be overwhelmed and stressed trying to care for these kids by herself. She might just want to get through the process and move on, right? And so dad sometimes can come in and look at it from a different perspective. Yeah. So I it, think that's important. You know, that's really important. And I think also, you know, I, I would almost want to pause this at the moment saying, you know, this is really a tip for moms. So we military wives, we, we are used to doing it all by ourselves all the time. Yeah. But if your husband is entitled and to, to you know, entitled, uh, is a, he should be there with important meetings. And even if it's just virtual, you know, uh, uh, if we go to the hospital with our daughter at the moment, uh, uh, I just have him on speakerphone on really important meetings, you know, if we, if we have yeah. to change meds or anything. But for a long time, because uh, Remco has been almost home now for over a year. Well, he's still working, but because he's, yeah, he's an active duty, but not, you know, out on the field. Uh, so he's working for the ministry at the moment, uh, Ministry of Defense. So they have to give the good example. So everybody's working from home. So for the first time in over 20 years, I've got my husband at home all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and then you realize how much you do and decide and not tell to your husband. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I'm really used to doing it all by myself and he's never there or he's in the field. I can't reach him uh, or he's deployed. And uh, I remember one time I was in the process of changing Wonder Boys medication. But I, you know, I was in step at step 10. And I didn't, I realized at a certain moment, he was like, are we going to change his meds? And I'm like, didn't you? Okay, wait, what? <laughs> so, because I'm so used to doing it all by myself and just going, 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 and especially if they're deployed. But if they're, if they're, if it's possible, you know, they are, they are entitled to, to be part of meetings. Yeah. And if course. it's possible, they really should, uh, be part of those meetings and uh, those processes because yes of course we moms or you know uh, maybe husbands have to do it all by ourselves most of the time but we have to bring our spouse along the way well it's not only it's not only just that they we should include them as much as possible but it's their right as a parent yeah yeah participate so imagine if they were so imagine if they were divorced but both of them had legal right it's the yeah, same. It's the First same. Yeah. Because unless the dad has delegated that right to the mom to make all the decisions in, in the education realm by their divorce or whatever, yeah. the dad would have that right to sit at the table because they're married. It doesn't yeah. take away this right. No, he still should and has the right to say yes yeah. or no or give his own input. Yeah. Um, and I think it's good to have both. Um, yeah. You know, I, I sometimes I think the parent moms don't mind doing it because the dads are in the military often deployed or working long hours or TDY, and they are not the ones engaged with instructing the child at home. No. So the mom feels like, yeah, he probably doesn't really know, you know, what, what the kid needs as much as I do because I spend more time with the child, but it's still important for him to understand what's yeah. happening for his child. So it's important yeah. for him to be part of that process. Um, and I think that often is lacking, you know, because we do, it's easy to delegate it off, you know, because, because they're busy because yeah. they do, they do have demands on them. Yeah. Um, but you know, there is 
So I think that there's a lot of movement happening in the military with um, family readiness. It's really under family readiness. And the, there is, a, there is a, a reform proposal on family readiness that is kind of part of what was once called the Promise Act or is maybe still received called the Promise Act. I'm not really sure where they're at with that, which was part of um, a group of women who, you know, who had concerns about provision of special education and education as a whole for students with uh, in the military, uh, underserved population. And one of the things they're working on is really, you know, do we just provide an, an attorney? Uh, one of the one of the things in the Promise Act is really providing an attorney at each post um, that is dedicated to special education. So a special education oh, wow. at, each, yeah. at each post that is dedicated to special education. Now that might take a while to get to, but it's a great it's a great resource to yeah. be adding to the EFMP profile, right? And then just standardizing the services across EFMP, so, so for enrollment and transfers and access and respite care, you know, things like that, ensuring full service and BAH for geo bachelors. So for, yeah. if, if, if your husband wants to move forward with a, a placement, but it maybe isn't gonna be good for the child or the family, then fully funding for that BAH for a geo bachelor so that they can stay home where they're, stay currently where they're at, the family with the child. Yeah. and get the services. And then they want to centralize and coordinate EFMP offices, you know, so everybody's coordinated together. And, um, you know, also gives, I think, support for childcare under EFMP and possibly I think under non-EFMP, just need for childcare for families who have shift work. Yeah. So if, if it's a mom, a single mom, and she's working night shift, she's going to need somebody to care for her child. So providing the funding for that, because yeah. that's probably going to be more expensive than daycare, yeah. you know, if you're doing night, night, the night care as well as for funding. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's definitely something that there are movements happening yeah. um, in, in special education, EFMP provision through the government. Um, and so they're working on, uh, you know, updating that and, yeah. and getting that going. Um, that's so. That, that actually sounds great, you know, things, things that you mentioned that an advocate on, on every post that will be, can be so helpful, you know, if you have one mm -hmm. person that just knows it all, knows the regulations, know where to go to, and uh, that would be really my, my going to another question is that, okay, at the moment, that's not the case everywhere, that, you know, there's this one person that knows it all, uh, what helps making the transition, uh, you know, as smooth as possible, you know, going to sure. another state, going to another school? What would, you know, no matter if it's just a kid with a, a physical or a, a mental uh, challenge, mm -hmm. would you recommend, you know, just, you know, uh, talking about getting the best care in the, the next state, next location where you're at? I think the best thing to do is whether your EFMP offices are doing a good job at coordinating or not, uh, is to do a lot of research. So if they say to you, so, sometimes we get offers, like you can give us your top three, five, whatever, right? Yeah. So before your husband has to put that in, have a conversation. So if he says, I'm getting ready to put in my three or five choices for wherever I want to go for my next duty station, um, let's sit down or mom, you do it, whatever, and look and see what services that our student needs 
not just in education, but also medically, um, ABA services, things like that. What is available and how long is the wait list? Yeah. Because I know you can, if you have a child who's on the spectrum, you can, if you're coming to Colorado, there's a lot of providers, but I know a lot of parents who are on waiting lists. Okay. And so just because there's a lot of providers doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get services in a reasonable time frame. And that's not something that EFMP can change. That's no. about the number of providers that are available. Yeah. And so you have to do your research. You have to look into what school district is does a good job. There's a lots of stuff at state level at the State Department of Education that says how a school district is doing in, in meeting the standards for students who have disabilities. That's one of the things we track. Okay. I'm on a state committee, the special, the Colorado Special Education Advisory Committee for the state, where we advise, we look at items in special education and advise the Board of Education on issues concerning our unmet needs of students with disabilities, right? It crossed our state. Yeah. So one of the indicators we look at is special education, you know, progress. Where are, if a school district is doing a good job at meeting the standards for students who have IEPs. So you can look up a school district yeah. and see how they're doing. You can connect with, so like at Fort Leavenworth, my parent support group still exists on Facebook. Yeah. And you can ask to join. You have to answer the three questions at least. And I might look a little India to see where, you know, if you're actually military, because I try to protect the community that it's yeah. only military families. Yeah. Um, but you can connect there and start asking, yeah. how hard is it to get ABA services? Where's the best doctor? Who would you recommend? And then call those people yeah. and yeah. ask them what their wait list looks like. You or, know, uh, the group in, in, in Leavenworth, because I'm still part of it, uh, you see a lot of questions like that. And there's a lot of support. Yes, and There's that's the whole sports. purpose of that that group was to provide a soft place for parents to come and talk about their struggles and not yeah. be judged and to be supported and to get access to resources. What worked good for you? And also what, what doctor is good for you, but also what worked good for you? What have you tried with your child who has Down syndrome or autism or whatever? And what worked in your home? I'd like to have some ideas about what I could try yeah. um, in my own home to help my child. How did you set up a good, I have lots of things that I provide parents through my kind of in-home service yeah. stuff, help parents find what works in their home. Um, but that is a great resource. So getting connected, um, there's a group called AMFAS um, on AMFAS. I admin one of their groups here um, just because of, I know that the guy who set it up and they needed somebody to help admin here. And so they ask, that's another thing you can ask to join. They're usually at most military posts. There's a Facebook group and they're another great place to get resources, but you need to call because somebody might tell you this person's great or they're, they're available or we got in really easy, but you need to call and don't yeah. just rely on one person, you know, do your research. That's huge. Coordinate with your EFMP. Yeah. I know they don't always get everything right, or it could depend on which person you get, but at least make an attempt because you might at, at Leavenworth, Jennifer Burford. Oh, yes. Awesome. <gasps> yes. But she was awesome. She was knowledgeable. The army could, I don't know if they still can, but could their coordinators could go to IEP meetings. She just couldn't go to all of them. Was no. not <laughs> um, and so, and so I actually started going with some parents just to help them navigate because I understood the process. Um, but 
they are a good resource. If they're knowledgeable, they're a good resource. Here, yeah. the one at Peterson's really good. The one at Carson, I think is still the same person. So they probably have um, a good knowledge base. So get connected there. Yeah. Find out about your housing, look up your school districts, you know, research how well they do with special education and meeting the standards and needs of their students. Ask those parents. Don't always rely on parent comments on Facebook about somebody, a school is bad and a school is good because you will get equal comments. That school sucks and that school's yeah. great. So, you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt. Some yeah. parents call me um, and ask me what I think. Yeah. And, and you know, I, and also with schools, it can change a lot because, uh, and even, you know, within a year, but of course also after 10 years, because people change a new principal, a new uh, supporting school, uh, yeah. it can make a lot of difference. You can look up the data in Colorado on special education at a district level. Yeah. Some things at school level. So you can look at a building, some information is building based like yeah. at that school. And some of it is just based on the district. And you're right, we can get a new superintendent, we can get a new special education director. It transitioning from one administrator to a new one takes a while for them, yeah. their changes to actually get into place, right? And then when you get to, when you pick a school, so or if you, when you pick a couple of schools or a couple of districts, go to their special education page and start looking up if they have guidelines if it, for their what they do, like their special education manual or handbook. Oh, yes. Yeah. Some just use the state. One of the districts here has just said, well, we just adopt the state one. So I just send parents straight to that. Go yeah. to the state guidance handbook. And that's what your school is going to hold itself to. Yeah. So follow that. Yeah. Um, and so that's a really good way to understand the educational piece. You may, here's the thing, you may come into a district that's rated really well, a school that looks great, it's also rated really well, or parents talk very highly of it, or their programming is great, or they have what you want or need. And you may get a group of your team, the people that are school-based side of your team, yeah. they may not be great. <laughs> your case manager may be horrible. Yeah. But everybody else on the team is great. But the person who's driving everything is horrible. No planning. No, I worked with a client this year that the case manager, <laughs> I mean, I never heard so many misguided things come out of that person's mouth ever. It, it was just shocking to me. And it was taking the district forever to correct the problems. So Aww. it created a lot of problems throughout almost the entire year until, you know, the person just didn't come back. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, that person was not there anymore, but see that can make a big difference. Yes. And so, and then how you approach it as a parent is really important. Firm, respectful, civil, ask your questions. You know, I don't go in as like, I'm just going to get you. That's not kind of advocate no. I am. I'm trying to solve a problem at the table. And yeah. the reason that it's important to have somebody on your team, whether it be a you know, a knowledgeable friend or EFMP, or even if it moves to the paralegal legal side, is that they're a team player yeah. because schools, they have programs and ways they do things, districts and schools. Um, and you want to work within their boundaries, yeah. but you want to be able to get what your child needs. And so you need to be a team player 
And you need to work with the school and the team, even yes. when they're not great, you need to find a way to work with them. Yes. And that's one of the things that I try to do when we run into problems is solve the problem at the table, because otherwise you have remedy. Here's your remedies. Your remedies are state complaint or due process complaint, right? Yes. And mediation that has a part in that due process complaint. And I'll tell you what I know for most part, most of the states we've worked in, most parents will lose those due process complaints and state complaints. Oh, wow. For one of two reasons, I think. Yeah. They didn't know how to write a good state complaint or make a good due process complaint, or um, it just doesn't go in their favor. No. And we had a big mess up here in Colorado a while back where somebody who was working at the state was finding for parents and the state department of education was reversing the decision. Yeah. And so, no, it, so it just becomes, it's just really hard to win. So, and, and when you do it, you're going to stay put your child, you're going to, child's going to stay yeah. with the stuff and then where they are, but it, it's going to take you a while. It's going to take you a process, right? State complaint has a certain time frame. due process has a certain time frame. Yeah. but during all that time. And, and if you don't do it right away and you decide, you know, you have like a year to file a state complaint after, you know, there was a problem. If you wait that long, your child goes without services, or if you're just hoping they're going to fix themselves and six months later, they still haven't. And then you go, you've lost all that time. Yes. So it's much more effective for your child to get what they need when we can solve the problem at the table, when we can get to yes, right? If somebody, it's a give and take. I talk with parents all the time. Like, what are your top five items? Yeah. I might have 10, but we need to narrow them down to the five. What can you lose? Or if there's five and I say, what can we, what three are yeah. super important right now? Because sometimes we're at, parents are asking for things. I know there's cases I've worked with families where it's a, it's a mess. And it's because when I come in, they're asking for something that they can't even have. They don't have the data to support that. And they're fighting and fighting and fighting. And the district is saying, no, like, no, he doesn't need that service. And I have to come in and say to a family, there is zero data here to support for what you're asking for. Yeah. So you're asking for something that's unattainable unless we ask for more data, which sometimes yeah. I've done, and then we can prove that. So that is complex. So in cases where families get all worked up and then they pull in, you know, maybe they pull in someone from the husband's command or the district does or things like that start happening. It's generally because what I've seen is because um, some the, the family side is asking for or doesn't understand the regulation and how it's implemented or they're asking yeah. for something that there's no data to support so yeah. sometimes part of my job is you know like I'm, that's you just yeah. can't do that yeah yeah and you know and it's really it's too bad because maybe as a mom or so that you know you're, you're dealing with your kids the whole day and you know what your kid needs uh kids need kid needs or you think you know you know this, this would really be helpful the problem is as long as you don't have data for it yes yeah. i understand that you you want it and need it but as long as there's no data and that's the same in the netherlands or the same in germany yeah. you know if there's yeah. no data you know uh, data data drives all the decision making in, yes. in my yeah. process so yeah. when you do here's the thing too Here's a good clue for parents. When you get sent to a new state and they want to reevaluate that child 
to get an IEP in that state, be very cautious and attentive to what they are evaluating for. Yeah. So if you suspect that, they're, that they could produce data to support speech and language, then you better ask for a comprehensive speech and language evaluation and you better be clear about what you're looking for. I think my child has dyslexia. What, ask them, what um, assessments do you have at your school building or in your district that you can use to determine whether or not our child has chronological processing deficit, right? Yeah. So you, we can use things like, you know, regular achievement assessments that show yeah. us that in reading, they're not quite meeting. We have the GORT, we have the CTOP, you know, we have a lot of different tests that can, that target dyslexia and most schools have them. So you yeah. ask for those yeah. and okay. you make sure that the evaluation is comprehensive. Here's the reg, comprehensive to detect and to assess any suspected disability. Yeah. So when you tell them, I suspect it's th there's this, or I suspect it's autism, or I suspect it's yeah. whatever, they need to assess comprehensively. So that evaluation to come into a new state, when you're transferred and they say, I'm gonna, we're gonna reevaluate, or we're going to initially evaluate in this state, yeah. you better be very careful about that prior written notice and consent to evaluate and make sure that it is comprehensive in all areas of suspected disability to give you all the data yeah. that you need. That you need. To yeah, what yeah. You and I wanted to go back a little because I think you just said something really important because what I've heard before is that, you know, you go to a new state and they say, uh, well, we're going to reevaluate this IEP from the other state. But I think I heard you say you can't reevaluate the IEP from another state, right? They have to do an initial, they have to do a new one for that state. Am yeah, I right so they, there? They, they can look at the evaluation. So sometimes school districts will say, we're fine. They'll yeah. look at that, you'll get the IEP and you'll probably send the I would send, I would send the eligibility report, the evaluation yeah. report and the eligibility determination yeah. and the IEP. And a good school district will look at it and say, well, maybe they'll say, oh, you know what? This is pretty darn comprehensive. And, you know, I think it's good data and it speaks to it and we're okay with that. Yeah. We've talked to the parents, they are in agreement with this. We think we can service this. We might just write an IEP in our state with our state you know, requirements for yeah. state, our standards into the IEP, but we're gonna take it all on. Okay. If they say no, then, in our state, it's called an initial evaluation. Ah. I don't know what it is in the state of Iowa. Yeah, I don't know. They might call it a reevaluation. Each state could be different. So you would want to look at that. And your state department of education is another place you should go to, to look up how their regulation yeah. that speaks to IDEA. And, and you can go to their thing and search student transferring from another state yeah and it should give you any documents or any regulations or anything else that speaks to that and that's how i when we came here i found that it's an initial because their regulation says at 4.8 you know 25 or whatever it is i don't know um <laughs> it's 400 something but I, i'm four point something but i don't know exactly what it says transferring a student transferring from a different state it is an initial evaluation yeah that's what they do but I don't know what your state is. So again, these are all the things that parents need to know that yeah. they don't even know to look for. 
Nadine. They don't even know that it could be different because nobody's telling them. So that's when I get involved because here's this parent going, what? They're refusing my IEP. And I go, oh, not kind of, but no, no. Yeah. You know, let me explain it. Yeah, because that's what I understood from you as well. You know, they they don't have to, you know, to provide exactly, you know, the help that the other state is, you know, like 60 minutes therapy. They can offer kind of the same, like compare. Yeah, you you might get three times 20 minutes, like you said. And that's acceptable because it's... uh, It's kind of the same. The problem gets, of course, you know, when you're having this IP and you say, this is what my kid needs. And the school says, well, we think differently. And that happens. (laughs) So, you know, yeah. But like Shelly said, you know, check your resources because there are a lot of resources, but especially when, you know, there's a lot there's so much to prepare there's so much to read and it can be a, a lot to handle uh uh you know i'm always what amazed. i want to say what i want to say to parents nadine is i've been in your shoes yeah i've been my husband is now retired so that's a thing to think but but he's you know 20 years retired so i've sat in your shoes i've walked in your shoes right unlike a lot of the teachers at the table and the, and the and the school-based team who probably are not military, a good portion of them, they haven't walked in your shoes. They'd have yeah. to walk, the only way they can walk in your shoes is if they're military and they have a child with special needs. Yes. That's the only way they walk in your shoes. Yeah. I've walked in those shoes. I work with families every day that are in those shoes, right? And so I understand, I just wanna say, I understand personally and internally the struggle, the challenge, um, the frustration, the exhaustion, um, the confusion, um, the lack of knowledge, not because, not because you're not able to know, like you're, but because you don't even really know where to look. No. And so um, I, I, I would say just, just stick with it. Give yourself grace. Give yourself a break when you need yes. one. <laughs> and if you need a resource, go get them. The states do have parent training centers that are free. That's another mandate that comes through IDEA. There's state parent training. Now they can't go with you to an IEP meeting, but you can take free online courses yeah. or, you know, now they're giving virtual courses. They used to do yeah. them in person as but well. They can, they, they can be wonderful because first of all, you, you learn, you can really learn new, well, I would say tricks, but, you know, learn new ways to help your kids, but it's, what I found when I did those courses, I went like, oh, oh, I'm not the only one. Oh, oh they're, they're facing the same thing. Oh, because sometimes you really doubt yourself, especially when, you know, you, your family members saying, oh, you should just be more firm. And you're like, well, yeah, that's not really the problem here. But yes. you know, yeah, check those free resources. And I wanted to just say to the uh, listeners that, uh, in the show notes, uh, Shelly will give me links that you can use and check. Uh, and, you know, if it's still too much uh, and you need help and going to an IEP meeting is <laughs> overwhelming, uh, you need somebody, you know, there are advocates like 
like Shelly, uh, sometimes yeah. the EFMP can help uh, out. Uh, but don't be afraid or ashamed to use them because, you know, you've been around for a long time, you know, uh, and uh, no more than somebody who just started out or, you know, because you know a lot about regulations, uh, you can really help uh, people. So, uh, ladies, use those resources because you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to do it all by yourself. And exactly. I, I had a few readers' questions because we're, we, we can do like, I think, a year full of shows just talking about this. But I had a few just readers. Pick one topic and do an hour and yeah. another topic and do another hour. Yeah. Because you were talking about something earlier that I, that made me think about that's another awesome topic to cover for military yeah. families. You know, so yeah, absolutely. Uh, we will come back in a few months' time. <laughs> Uh, no, I had a few readers' questions, uh, and uh, one was, uh, should you hide the special need of your kids to prevent, you know, job or expert opportunities? No. Be My answer is no. And, and let me tell you why. Um, you know, first of all, there should be no ramification for your, your husband. No. They should be working with you. We never hit it. We, and I, I fought for it openly. I, and I established family support groups openly on, yeah. on the bases we were in. So I don't, and it never affected, never affected us at all. Um, we didn't, it didn't keep us from, from going places. There might be times where you may not be able to go overseas, but, yeah. but as, as for your husband's career, they should always be able to put him into the, the proper placement to advance his career. Yeah. If he's doing well, then there, he's an asset to the military. And, and he needs to communicate that if he feels that, that they're holding him back. Yeah. But for the most part, I think it's, in my experience and the people that I've worked with, I haven't seen people's careers be, be no. ruined or not advanced because they have childhood disabilities. I think it's appropriate for them to give parents and family the services they need in a proper placement and create yeah. that advancement for yeah. the soldier or the officer, whoever, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. So I say, no, no. I, I don't know why anybody would want to hide their child's disability because it, it doesn't give them access to the services. And no. if they're not using free services through TRICARE through, that are yeah. hooked up through EFMP, it's going to come out of your pocket. Yeah. Yeah. And also, and you know, end, that's a big deal. Yeah. And I think some of them might be afraid that, well, we might not be able to be sent abroad or remote, but there's also a reason, especially if your kid needs medical attention. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's the same while, uh, you know, it's really, it's uh, Supergirl always wanted to go to, to join the military, but she, of course, had to give that dream up because we're due for arthritis. Sure. Uh, and she might get a civilian job. In the military, she doesn't want that because she doesn't want a desk job. But uh, 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 Remco, uh, my husband, also explained to her the reason is also, you know, if you get deployed, uh, you need to have access to your meds, you know, or yeah, need to be able to, yeah, you get your meds or be able to go to a hospital if needed. And especially if you get deployed, 
that might be hard. But you know, even for sending, being relocated or relocated uh, abroad, uh, it might be different if you're, you know, in a really remote location. But Western Europe, for instance, but I'm pretty sure also uh, Japan or South Korea, the, the uh, medical um, services are, are great there as well. It, it might be a little bit more challenging because, you know, you have to figure out your way in that system. But the services I, I are would there. ask a parent. So, so, my, so my comment to that would yeah. be, I, I would say to a parent, Okay, so you don't tell the government that, or you know, whatever service you're in, yeah. that your child has an exceptional need, and they need special care, and so you didn't go to EFMP, so they don't know. They sent you someplace, and you get there, and there's a crisis situation with your child, and there are no services to help you with that. Yeah. So that that is the reason that they have EFMP. It's supposed to the medical side of EFMP. It's supposed to put you in places that your child can get the services they need, yeah. whether medical, what ABA, whatever it is, you know? And so I wouldn't hold back on that. Yeah. There are lots of installations where your husband can go and serve his in his rank at the job that he needs. It, and I know it's great to think about going overseas. I've been there. I lived yeah. in Germany for three years um, and it was nice, but but, and we didn't have the diagnosis that came after, but we were seeing yeah. issues, right? And I knew friends that had those diagnoses who said to my, me, uh, I think that might be the problem here. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, but, but they were struggling to get some of the stuff that they needed. And so just think about, put your child first. Yeah. Your, I'm sure your husband loves your child just as much as you do. So put the child first in this situation. You know, the, the military cannot... Um, uh, cannot, what's the word? I don't know. They, they can't hold you back on purpose because your child, that's discrimination. Yeah. Yeah. It's literally discrimination. So they shouldn't be discriminating against you because the child has a disability because then we're discriminating against somebody who has a disability. Yeah. That's a no. There's all kinds of laws that protect that. So, you know, I would say don't, don't hold it back. Okay. And the other question was that, you know, uh, there are really two questions. What if, you know, go to a, a new state and it really goes wrong, you know, between you and for instance, the school, you know, you come on, come in with an IP and they don't want to meet it or they want it. Let's just say it really backfires, you know, the whole, you have big arguments, you have to bring in, like we, you said before, your commander, they bring in a school district or whatever. Uh, what should you do? What are your rights? So every state has, and, and IDEA requires this, every state has a set of parent rights. So you should be given those when you, and ask for an evaluation. You should be given them when you come into the new state and you have your first meeting about your IEP with that state. So ask for your parental rights. They're generally the same across yeah. every state, which is, you know, I have a right to participate. I have a right to be heard, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then I have the right to due process and state complaint. And each state has a different requirement of how long, once you know, like if you know that they violated something, right? Yeah. They violated IDA, they violated FAPE. You have like a year or two years, depending upon your state. Once you find out about that issue, yeah. 
to file a state complaint or due process or anything like that. So you need to look into that too. But you're but you always have state complaint and due process prop to 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 use as your rights. I would say it's time to I would say try bringing in an advocate or an attorney. Yeah. Um, if you have a really good advocate who's not always trying to trip up the other side and who really wants to solve a problem for you, that's probably the avenue to go because it'll be far less expensive. Yeah. And and show them what's going on. And hopefully they can come in as as a as almost like a mediator, yeah. you know, come in and be a problem solver and say, okay, here, and then and they'll advise you, you're asking for something you can't get. Like that, that's a good advocate that says, hey, you know, you don't have data for this if that's the case. And if not, they can go to the district and say, hey, explain to me why you're fighting this, you know? Yeah. And, and then we get to a, a give and take and a problem solving. Um, and, and sometimes it's really miscommunication, Nadine. I see that all the time. The parents m understood them to mean one thing. And when I come in, I'm like, oh, so you didn't do a really good job communicating that to the family because yeah. this is how they perceive that. And that is why you're having problems. And let's, let's go yeah. back to, let's reset. I call it a reset. We need to reset here. And we need to go back to, to the start and work our way through this process. That, that would be my recommendation because okay. as long as if you're, if you're asking for things you can have and you're within the regulations and, and they're not following them, then if you can't solve it at the table, then you're going to have to use one of the two bigs, the state complaint, write a good one and go through due process and mediation. And there are lots of things around that we don't have time to discuss. <laughs> but if you do due process, I would say some advocates will go with you to due process. I prefer an attorney to be at your side because school district's going to have their attorney. Yeah. So that requires interpretation of the law and the provision of FAPE. And I think that an attorney is the only one who can interpret the law. I can't interpret the law. I'm an advocate. Yeah. I'm, I'm a non-attorney advocate. So. Okay. Well, that were the questions I had. Is there <laughs> anything, you know, you think we missed or you want to, you know, a tip you want to give? I think the biggest tip is the research um, and learning about what the new state's requirements are. Yeah. You know, giving yourself grace, um, asking for clarification when you go to the new state. If something seems off to you or you don't understand why they're saying no to something, ask for clarification. Yeah. And, you know, try the free resources first. You know, uh, there are things like the ARC that have free advocates. The problem is what I generally see with the ARC is they can't take on any more cases. They're pretty over, yeah. over full, really. Um, use your parent training centers to learn as much as you can. Um, it's called Peak Parent in Colorado. Every state is different. So use that parent training center. Um, and then, you know, at the least when you're in a meeting and you're overwhelmed, bring a friend, somebody you trust, yes. who can at least just sit, take notes, you know, take in everything and not, maybe they're not even talking. They're just keeping track of everything. Yeah. Ask to record meetings because especially if your husband can't be there, right? Yes. I ask to record meetings most of the time. If I have a really good team and I've worked with them long enough and I trust them, yeah. I don't generally, if I think it's going bad, I'm going to say, Hey, I'm going to put the, I'm going to record. I'm going to turn my recorder on. Can you, or virtually, can you please record the meeting? Cause they can, they can record the audio and the video. So that's a really good thing. Keep really good notes. Yeah. Keep track of data. At, at oh, home. yes. And here's another thing. 
I tell parents all the time to keep a notebook. Yes. And whenever they run into a problem with the school district, in pen, write the date, the it, it, what happened, the time, what if there was any resolve, yeah. if you wrote an email, when you wrote the email, what date and time you sent the email. The person's involved, yeah. Because pen cannot be erased. No, no. And, and it cannot be changed. Yeah. I mean, and you could cross out, but then that's gonna that's gonna lead to questioning. So yeah, if you do write cross out, write why you crossed something out. Oh, yeah. Like I misspelled it, or yeah. um, this wasn't the word I wanted yeah. to use. I meant to use this word. Yeah. You know, be clear because that can be part of the data too. Or yes. If you need to go to due process or state complaint. You're gonna go back yeah. to the things yeah. and you can tell them every single detail. Yeah as you kept track of it. And especially That's because it's in pen, you know, uh, and if you have this notebook, or in my case, a gazillion notebooks, you know, you, <laughs> it looks reliable because you see the different ink, you see the different date, you see that the paper got, you know, old yep. and, and, you know, there's a coffee stain on it. And a digital document, if, the, if you have a hard case, they can say, well, you say yet that you've tracked it, but maybe you made it up. And paper, you know, yeah, really can help. And that would be my tip. Uh, get everything in writing too. If you're if the school district is yeah. talking to you or you're having issues, try to keep it to email. And yes. you need to be civil and clear and respectful in your emails, yeah. but firm. Yeah. And get them to write you back an email. What I get a lot of times when there's an issue is they just want to keep calling the parent. And I will literally tell parents to either not answer the phone or answer the phone and say, I'm, I sent you an email on that. I appreciate if you could reply by email. I'm very busy. Yes. You know, I, I can't spend a lot of time on the phone. I'm trying to take care of my kids, whatever. Get the response in writing because it's again, another documented yeah. piece of information that you can use down the road. And if you're in the car and you answer the phone and you get a call and it's like, this is the principal. We need you to come pick up your kid. Blah, 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 or I'm having this issue or your kid's doing this or I'm your teacher and he's not doing his homework or whatever it is. Keep a little tiny notebook and with a, like one of those little small ones that has the pen attached in your purse or in the divider in your car. Yeah, I like it in your purse because if you get out and you're in the store and they call you and you're just like, I'm trying to buy stuff, right? <laughs> you could tell them to call you back or send you an email. But if, if they continue on, I need to talk to you you have a pen and you can document yeah. that and keep that separate too, because it's good to have that. And it also refreshes your memory and lets you remember what conversations yeah. you had in stressful moments yeah. um, as well. Yeah. So just hang in there. It's hard. Um, see, you can find an advocate at, uh, there's a thing called Yellow Pages for Kids. Um, and you can look it up and, and you can find an advocate in your area. I'm registered with that. And also COPA, which is C-O-P-A-A. Um, you can do that, copo.org, I think, or com. I'm not sure which one it is, but um, I'm also listed there. You can search for advocates through COPA. Um, yeah. And COPE, some are COPA trained. Some, you know, I think if you're in COPA, you're either a member of COPA or at least COPA trained. That means we pay to be members. I'm a trained advocate through ISEA, Institute for Special Education Advocacy. Um, and so you can, I think they tie into the yellow pages for kids. But look and ask, ask your advocate, are yeah. they trained? How long have they yeah. been doing it? What's their approach? Make sure they're a good fit for you. I even make sure clients are a good fit for me because yeah. I don't want, I, I want the client to work with me. They have hired me to advise them. If I'm going to advise them and they're not going to take my advice, yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, yes. we can have a conversation, but if it gets yeah. to the point where you're like, well, no, I don't, don't you know, then I'm going to say, okay, yeah. well, we might not be a good fit for each other, yeah. you know? So I try to let them know how I work ahead of time yeah. so that they can make an informed decision as well. Yeah. So, and and um, one last comment about the paper. If you're traveling and relocating, have the most important documents with you and never yeah. <laughs> ever in a box somewhere or even in the luggage that's you know uh not to carry on like if you're flying because yeah. <laughs> i'm pretty sure there are a lot of people who can share stories about boxes being lost and you don't want the box being lost with yes all or, your or paperwork it's buried nadine like yeah. you know that you get in your house and you you get you go with i'm going to the kitchen stuff first because i need to feed my family i'm gonna open the yeah. kitchen boxes first right and let's say that was in your office box or i don't know your basement box that's the last thing that's going to get open probably yeah. so or not even until the next time yeah. <laughs> hold on just a second I'm so well you know the binders Keep a yeah. binder. Every parent should keep an IEP binder. EFMP has them. Yes. They also probably have like some information about how to do it. Um, I try if my if my clients need them. A lot of my clients are already doing it anyways. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I tell clients it's you know it's really important to have that binder, yeah. um, even whether it's EFMP or not. It's just having a special education binder that yeah. breaks things up into evaluations, into eligibility documents, into IEPs, into data collection. Yeah. Into monitoring into grades you have a whole binder my kids had a binder for every year yeah and so and i do the same thing with the 504 yeah i keep a binder of a copy of it the evaluation that went with it keep your private evaluations in there in a separate place than your school yeah. evaluations you're going to have you're going to keep it organized and then just start it over the next year with your iep from the last year make a copy of it put it in there because you're going to have an iep meeting for your annual meeting yeah. to update your IEP and there's the old one in there and it's in the new binder and you just take the new binder because yeah. the old one's probably big and heavy by now. <laughs> it's Mine actually work. a really good tip because oh the times that I had this huge binder with me with all the data. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I think the purpose was for us to kind of, you know, talk about and give information to military families yeah. about how to transition easily. I hope that that was good. I mean, I you and I didn't know each other and known each other for a while. So we, we, we start talking and, you know, we can get, we can keep adding to the content, Yeah. but I think in the end, it's really preparation, research, um, team, a team effort at the table and understanding, uh, what the process is when you move into a new state. Yeah. Um, and if, and if you're, if you need an advocate in your new state, look up one, a reputable one, I'm in Colorado. So if anybody in Colorado needs an advocate, you can find me at advocate to educate.com. Um, and it's spelled the number two is spelled out like two is spelled out like the number two T W O. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, uh, and you'll probably find me under most of the listings as advocate the actual number two educate. Cause that's really how I'm listed as a business is advocate yeah. number two, educate LLC in Colorado. So, well, thank you for all yeah, your information. Yeah. yeah. Girls. Look her up if you need help. Uh, you can find me on her uh, special needs supermom, of course. And uh, do check out my latest digital products that will help moms as well. I made the awesome. special needs supermom planner because I was overwhelmed, had no time. I had, I just made a photo the other day. 
I've got like 10 notebooks, one for my daughter, one for my son, one for this aspect, one for that. And <laughs> just going to the hospital with all these things. So I thought what I really need is one planner with, you know, the health tracker, you know, where I can put down my notes, all the great info I get or tips I get. So do check that out. If you have any questions for Shelly or me, you know, uh, reply to this podcast, leave a review, uh, let us know. And uh, if you have certain questions you think are really important, check out uh, the special needs support group from Fort Leavenworth. Oh, what was the name again? I look it up all the time, but... Uh, it's, Leaven, it's called Parent, Fort Leavenworth Parents of Special Needs. Yes. So, mm -hmm. you know, you can find us there um, or check out... Uh, this Facebook page of Shelly or uh, my Facebook page, especially Supermom, uh, and leave a question there. And, you know, if there are certain questions we think, you know, we could really do a follow up on that. You will hear Shelly and me talk about military life and special needs kids uh, in a couple of months again. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we can talk for hours on the yeah. subject. And you, can, and you can find me on social media at Advocate to Educate. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's at, um, Facebook and Instagram. Um, and so you can connect to me there. You can also, you can also send me a message through my face, yeah. uh, through my website. Um, we will so. listen, uh, we will listen our, uh, resources in the show notes. So you can look it up and, uh, we will add some resources that Shelly mentioned here in the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thanks for having me again. And thanks for everything you're doing with your podcast. And I really love your digital planner. So. Um, that's a great thing for, for parents, for resources. I still use a, a paper planner and I, I think they're great because we get used to hearing the dings on our phone and we just kind of, after a while, our brain just goes, and we just wipe it off the page and we, then we forget to do something. So oh, yeah. I turned off the pinks. <laughs> yeah, I use it so it's a great planner. I've actually looked it, up, it all over from start to finish. So yes. Yes. It's awesome. So thank uh, you for having me and um, all you military moms hang in there or dads hang in there yes. and you're going to get through. So blessings to you all. Okay. Well, thank you. This was today's episode of the special needs Supermom podcast. Enjoyed your mental glass of wine. If so, please subscribe, rate and review the show and recommend the podcast to other special needs supermoms. You know, could use that mental glass of wine as well. Until next time, fellow supermoms, cheers, Nadine.